Welcome to the Sometimes Spouse Podcast. I am Christy Owell, the host of the Sometimes Spouse Podcast, and today is Ask an Expert, and we have expert Brian Gifford with Home on the Range Inspections. Thank you for joining us, Brian. Thank you for having me, Christy. Hey, guys. So, Brian, tell us your story. How did you become a home inspector? So, great question. Uh, so, I was a claims adjuster for a while. I did a lot of insurance claims down in Houston, and uh, I just really liked the job and uh, liked being around real estate and around property and handling uh, buyers and sellers and things like that. And uh, it just kind of came naturally. I had a home uh, family friend who's a home inspector as well in the area, and he kind of steered me that way. Uh, he's like, you know what? You got all these good skill sets. You're customer friendly. And you, you know, I think you'd do great in this field. So I went for it and uh, spent about six, eight months in schooling, you know, stack of books, just massive and uh, a lot of homework, a lot of studying, a lot of testing. Uh, so did that and uh, eventually got my license. So I've uh, been doing that for a little over a year and a half now. Wow. So have you seen a lot of properties? Yeah, uh, a few hundred. <laughs> I, I think in my time already, I've done uh, well over 300 off the top of my head. Wow. Uh, so, and before that, I'd done about a 50 to 80 uh, home inspections before that, uh, just on my own. And then uh, just general like training. And I'd even be a nerd and go to the uh, new construction homes around town and just kind of check out the framing and, you know, how they were coming. And the builders would ask me, what are you doing here? <laughs> so I said, well, I'm just a nerd. <laughs> Brian, do you have any interesting hobbies? Uh, yeah, you know, don't have a lot of time for hobbies right now uh, between, you know, business and building a house. Uh, but, you know, I do uh, write on the spare time uh, that I can. Uh, so I've actually published uh, three books so far, uh, working on a fourth and uh, with some series coming along eventually. And uh, so other than that, I, I like reading, um, camping, backpacking, kayaking, uh, archery, uh, shooting guns, a uh, whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. You said you're building a house and I know we talked a little bit about it, but like you're building a house by hand. Yeah. Yeah. By hand. Uh, it's a log cabin. Uh, got a, got a kit and a, a kit is a loose term. It was, it's very rough cut logs. So it's going to be a very rustic house, but yeah, I'm doing it myself, uh, waking up early every morning, grinding out a couple hours before it gets, uh, you know, too, too hot out there, hundred plus degrees. Uh, but yeah, just doing that by hand every day and uh, a lot of drilling, a lot of, a lot of laying logs. And then I'll do the plumbing, electrical and whole nine yards. Wow. That's quite the, th and then you'll be able to inspect it. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so I know what I'm looking at. I like to think I do anyway. So tell me, what kind of credentials do home inspectors need to have? Good question. So uh, home inspectors have to have a uh, bachelor's degree of any kind here in Texas, at least. Um, in other states, they don't have near as many uh, requirements. So Texas is actually the strictest on requirements. So to be a home inspector in Texas, you have to go above and beyond every other state in the country. Uh, so to be a home inspector in Texas, you have to have that bachelor's degree and you have to meet a, num a number of requirements. Um, there's actually three tiers of inspecting. Uh, I went to the very top one right out of the gate to go professional inspector. 
but there's two tiers below. So you can be an apprentice for a year or two, uh, and then move on up to a real estate inspector. So you kind of have some freedom, but not uh, fully like a professional. Um, but then you go all the way up to the top and you get licensed and you can be an independent inspector. So those are the requirements. Uh, there's also hundreds of hours of education that you have to do uh, in person classroom, a lot of it, uh, a lot of testing that you have to do also. So every uh, quiz, uh, every chapter comes with quizzes and tests that you have to pass. Uh, and then finally, you have to do uh, in-person training. So you have to do at least five inspections. Uh, I don't know if they've changed that since I've been in, uh, but you had to do at least five uh, walkthrough inspections with a, a licensed uh, trainer who will kind of walk you through it and see what you're missing, what you need to improve on. And then after that, after you've proved on everything, you have to take a state test and a national test. So wow, a lot, of, a lot of stuff there. That takes a while then. So, I mean, should a buyer or should a seller have an inspection done on their home before they list it? So my unbiased opinion, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, also my, my biased opinion, yes. Um, so as a, as a home seller, it's always a great idea because your buyer is going to get an inspection regardless. Yeah. So it gives you some wiggle room to know what you're going to get into. So you get that uh, seller inspection and then you, you know what the, the buyer's inspector is going to be looking at. So you get all that in a report and you can say, okay, well, I want to tackle this, this, and this, improve on that and maintain your home's value. So you really want to maintain that home's value. A home inspector like me is going to come in for the buyer and try to bring that price down. As the seller, you want to keep it up, obviously. Yes. So you can fix a lot of those things and keep that value high. So I always recommend getting a seller's inspection. Uh, not a lot of people do. Uh, they always feel like it's the buyer's responsibility to do that, and that's fine. But it really gives you some leverage in the negotiations. What kind of things could a seller find out before um, listing a house that can increase the value of their home by having that inspection done uh, before they even list it? So value to keep your value, um, besides the little things, um, the bigger things are ob obviously what are going to keep that value. So a uh, great thing is attic insulation. A lot of homes, especially older ones, don't have that insulation. So a buyer wants to come in and improve the energy efficiency of the home uh -huh. and they're going to want that insulation in there. So you can add some additional insulation and beat them to the punch. Also, um, windows, a lot of windows on older homes too, uh, are single pane. So not energy efficient, especially compared to current windows. So that's another great thing you can do is add, uh, double pane windows. So anything energy efficiency is always a great idea. Uh, also, servicing your HVAC, making sure it works properly. Um, just general things like that will all kind of maintain your home's value. Uh, bigger ticket items too, like foundation. Uh, a lot of places here and here in the area, like Robinson especially, has bad foundation. So if you get a foundation inspection prior and you do any repairs that you need done, that can keep your value up in the thousands. So. Awesome. So why would, why do home buyers need to have inspections? Home buyers definitely need an inspection. I've had some people be like, well, why do I need one? So it, again, it goes back to the maintaining uh, what you, what you want out of the home. You want to get that value down as a buyer so you can pay less on the home, obviously. And that's where I come in. So I'm going to find all those things that the seller didn't see because they didn't get a seller's inspection. And you can negotiate down 
uh, based on the stuff you see. So this and this and this and this is going to cost X amount of money, and you can negotiate that into the agreement. Uh, so that's that's really where I, I come in. I help kind of keep that value down. So you get a lot of bang for your buck. You know, you pay me three four hundred dollars for an inspection, and you could save potentially thousands, uh, even even more, in in uh, the home's value. How long does a home inspection take? Uh, generally, about an hour and a half for most houses. Uh, most houses are a little over, a little less than 2,000 square feet. So about an hour and a half. Uh, if there's a crawl space, like a pier and bean older home, generally takes longer because it's older, more things to look at, more things to report. And then also have to get under the house, so that takes longer too. Uh, so generally, about two, two and a half hours for those houses. Uh, I've also done um, inspections for houses in the four, five, six thousand square foot range and on up. So those obviously take a little bit longer. Uh, in fact, I did one just a few weeks ago. It was 6,200 square foot and uh, had whole nine yards with it. So it was the guest quarters. So that took all day. Oh, wow. And uh, then you got to work on the report all night. <laughs> so definitely some of those could take a long time. So what is covered by a home inspection? So what do I look at? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, pretty much everything. Uh, the Texas uh, Real Estate Commission uh, has a standards of practice that we as home inspectors have to follow. So they, they list out certain things that we have to look at. So we look at foundation, uh, roof, the structure of the whole house, so walls, attic, all that good stuff. Uh, we look at plumbing, uh, drain systems, supplies. Uh, we look at electrical and we look at uh, HVAC and mechanical and appliances. So pretty much everything. <laughs> uh, we don't look at things like drawers and cabinets and uh, fences and your backyard and how nice things look cosmetic wise. We don't care about any of that stuff. We are looking at the structure and the, the bigger things. So what happens if you do find issues? So I find issues and I just write it up in a report with uh, pictures and a location tag on it. And that just goes in the report. And my report's provided to the realtor and the client. And what they do with it is out of my hands at that point. So I just give them basic recommendations and they take it from there. They don't have to do anything. And I tell my buyers, you know, look, this is a lot of information, a lot of stuff. I inspect to the most current standards and to the most, uh, like, like the most perfect uh, things possible. So obviously you don't have to fix everything because there's 40 pages of pictures here that take forever and a lot of money. Uh, but I focus on safety and I focus on the bigger ticket items and uh, just let them know what they're getting into. Uh, most of the time they'll take that information and they'll say, okay, I want these certain things fixed. Uh, anything marked safety, always what I recommend getting them to do. And then they take it from there and send it to the seller. So do you have to use any tools when you're doing an inspection? Yeah, I've got a, a bag full of tools. Uh, I probably don't show up, you know, I don't show up with a big backpack and a big, uh, you know, tool belt on like some of the other guys might. Uh, but I've got a, a car full of tools and I've got my bag. Uh, as an inspector, you really don't need too many tools. Uh, the, probably the, the standards I use are going to be an outlet tester. Uh, a uh, thermal infrared gun to detect uh, duct leaks or, uh, you know, um, measuring at registers and stuff for your temperature differentials. Uh, I measure, I use a water pressure gauge, uh, just little things like that. Um, none of it's really super expensive or complex to use. 
What's the strangest thing that you've ever found in a home inspection? Uh, that's a good question. Um, one of them uh, probably isn't appropriate for a Zoom meeting, so I can tell you that one later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> some stuff I have come across that's a little weird, uh, that's probably PG approved. I found uh, just bongs and uh, drugs laying around one time. Wow. Uh, I found, uh, yeah, just laying around. And it, it, the tenant was known that knew that I was coming, but he just didn't bother to pick it up. Um, let's see what else have I come across? That's just uh, there was a raccoon in a in a chimney one time. Uh, was it so alive? It didn't fall on my face. Didn't fall on my face. That was nice. Was it alive or dead? It was alive. Oh yeah. wow! So <laughs> I opened up the uh, the flu damper. And uh, just saw those beady little eyes looking down at me, and it scurried <laughs> off and soot fell on my face, but it was not the raccoons. I was okay. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been in crawl, plenty of crawl spaces, you know, spiders and webs and all that good stuff. Uh, snakes, a lot of snakes. Uh, I did, I was crawling around one time and I just happened to look over to my right, and there's just two little beady eyes of a snake just looking right at me. And it was maybe a foot away. And I didn't stop to ask it what kind of snake it was. I just, uh, I just left. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing this story on Facebook or something that somebody was inspecting a home somewhere here in Texas and they got underneath the home and it was a hot bed for rattlesnakes. I mean, that would be just like my worst nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen those pictures. I follow some inspector groups and there's some crazy stuff we come across. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I think uh, one time I was doing an inspection and I looked down uh, into the crawl space before I went down and the entire crawl space was a pool. It was just water all the way, almost up to the uh, sub subflooring. And <laughs> that was a lot of water. Uh, you know, I've seen water down in crawl spaces before, but never that much. And uh, so definitely not good. It hadn't, hadn't rained uh, before that for weeks. So it just been sitting in there. Wow. So, but take care of your crawl space. Might want to peek down there every once in a while. So a crawl space, is that just on a pier and beam house? Or is that also when there's a concrete slab? Yeah, so you'll have uh, a crawl space is going to be just in a pier and beam. And a pier and beam are just concrete blocks that will hold up the house. And then you have your wooden beams that uh, are under your flooring that will sit on that concrete block. So you'll have a space from your house to your uh, to the soil below. Uh, usually about two or three feet, uh, ideally. Uh, slabs are just concrete slabs. They're dug down with footings into the uh, into the soil, and you'll have your concrete poured. So you just have your slab. Uh, there's pros and cons to both. Uh, pure beam is great if you have any foundation movement, so you can fix it a lot easier. You can just jack up one or two piers, and you'll be good to go. Slab is a bit more work. Uh, also, if you have any kind of plumbing leaks or any problems like that, Crawl spaces are also great because you can just go down there, find the, the leak, fix the problem. A slab, if you have a leak in the slab, that can be uh, a big no-no. And uh, you'll definitely want to get that fixed, but that can be expensive. You'll have to jack around the concrete, and that, that can get uh, pretty pricey. So what are most of the houses in Central Texas? Uh, for me, I, I, I kind of see 50-50. Um, it, it depends on the neighborhood. Uh, you can easily tell the neighborhood. Um, but once about 65 and onward, uh, 67 onward, they started using slabs a lot more. 
Uh, so anything before that is crawl space, generally. Wow. Uh, here in Waco is, to me, it's 50-50. There might be some ratio, uh, but a lot of areas, uh, especially in downtown, are older and uh, have crawl spaces. And believe it or not, there are some basements here in Waco. Really? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's I've never seen to- one. Yeah, you know, you don't see many. Uh, in fact, uh, I know somebody personally who has a basement home, and I've inspected probably six, six basement homes. So it's always a, a trip when I see it because uh, the the buyer and seller never don't. Oh, I don't. I didn't know it was a basement. And uh, I come in thinking it's a crawl space, and I open up a door, and there's a basement. And I'm, okay, cool. <laughs> wow. You know, in Minnesota, every house has a basement. I have a friend that lives yeah. up there, and every house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Once you get up, starting to get up north uh, above the freezing line, uh, you generally have basements. So that way you have this, the foundation is below the freezing line. So you'll never have it uh, damaged by any uh, uh, freezing and thaws. So that's why you have basements. Huh. Interesting to know. Yeah. So do you do Learn any. Do every day. <laughs> do you do any repairs as an inspector? No, uh, absolutely not. Um, as an inspector, Trek, the Texas Real Estate Commission, who uh, governs us, actually doesn't even allow us to do any kind of maintenance or repairs on a home uh, for at least a year. So say I was an electrician on the side or a plumber or something like that, I couldn't touch any of the things that I inspected for a year. So that's to help keep uh, us unbiased because that's the last thing a buyer wants is for a home inspector to be biased for whatever reason. So my job is to just come in and be unbiased and just be a, a neutral third party. So I, don't do any repairs. I see home inspection reports about once a day. Um, and they range, you know, we don't do plumbing or electrical, but I got one yesterday that had about 20 cracks in the walls and that sort of thing mm-hmm. that we're, we're fixing. So it's really interesting to be able to read those reports and see the differences um, of what people actually find and what people fix and then choose not to fix. Yeah. And that's ultimately up to the buyer, you know? Like I said before, they don't have to fix everything, just fix certain things. Uh, like you mentioned with those cracks, uh, I do recommend fixing any kind of cracks you see in the walls on the outside, and or in the inside especially. You can patch it up and patch up that drywall. And then if you see cracks occurring, obviously you have foundation movements. Yep. So a lot of cracks are obviously from foundation movements. So I always recommend sealing those cracks up so you, then you can see them opening back up in the future. Yeah, and in Texas, with pier and beam, or I don't know slabs because we have a pier and beam house, but um, pretty often you see those cracks. It's not like just once in the lifetime of your home or you're going to have to get that foundation fixed. It is just, like you said, Robinson, China Spring. These are some places that you have to have that foundation taken care of over and over again. Yeah, especially in Robinson. Uh, I, I live in Robinson, so I'm kind of familiar with the area. I live in an area where the soil is pretty good, but once you get around uh, off 77, heading towards I-35 area, downtown-ish, uh, man, you get some moving houses. Yep. <laughs> so got to be careful. Uh, that's definitely one of those things I recommend when you are buying a home is make sure you know how the uh, soil conditions are. Make sure you know if there's any movement going on in your houses. So that's one thing that I do is I, I check if there's any kind of previous or ongoing differential settlement. And then I recommend a uh, foundation specialist from there. 
I remember one time when I was driving over in Robinson, I went by this house and the, its window looked like that. It was just totally tilted. And I was like, oh, uh-huh. they've got a foundation problem. Somebody should do yep, that. You see all kinds of stuff. Uh, I come across ones where uh, the, the house will just be kind of sloping, just sagging. And you'll see it like bucking, uh, bowling down in the middle to where it looks like a U. Because, man, you see some stuff. Yeah, and they just live there. They don't. Mm-hmm. maintain the home and they don't get it fixed and i think it's funny when people uh fix their house they put you know 25 50 grand into it and then they move out mm-hmm. how did you do that 10 years ago why you could enjoy it they're like my house is beautiful now yeah it then you is. don't want to leave yeah yeah it's gorgeous we love it and then um, new people move in and then they call us back to take that stuff out to redo it the way that they like it so i'm always amused because you know yeah being the number one handyman in central texas we get the call the calls for the same house and we're like we were just there a few months ago but we'll Mm -hmm. come back we're good we'll come back yeah Yeah, what? I think I see quite quite a few interesting things, uh, seeing how people live and how they don't mind things to be. Uh, in fact, one house, there were about four bedrooms, three bedrooms upstairs, and the whole upper second floor was just black with mold. And like the ceilings just almost everywhere was just black mold. And going up into the attic, you could just, there were actual holes in the attic. Uh, you could see out the sunlight coming out. So there was a lot of damage to the roof and just holes everywhere. And then the water would come through when it would rain and just stain everything and get it moldy. And then people just lived there. Wow. I wonder if they were constantly sick. Hmm. Yeah, I think that would be a thing. I knew somebody who lived in an apartment up north and she was sick for years and she could never figure out what was going on. Her doctor could never figure it out. And come to find out it was mold in the walls that it eventually started to come out to the outside of the walls because you can't always see mold if it's inside wall cavities. So it's one of those things. If you find mold, take care of it before it gets worse. Yeah, and don't just spray it down. Call a restoration company that knows how to get rid of the mold because you can't just spray it off and it be gone. You have to cut that stuff out and a perimeter around it. You do, yeah. Uh, I come across quite a lot of uh, mold in my inspections, and I always recommend doing that. Uh, A lot of realtors will ask me, well, can't I just spray some bleach or something on it and call it a day? No, you really can't. you got to make sure there's not more. Because just because you see that one spot doesn't mean it's going to be in other spots, other locations. Exactly. And that really spreads like wildfire, what we've seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some major issues that you find continually in Central Texas? Uh, so besides the foundation, like we talked about, uh, you know, a lot of houses just have movement. That's a part of them. Uh, some areas obviously have more than others. Uh, so foundation is going to be a bigger thing. Uh, roofs, I find, are not well taken care of here. Uh, there's a lot of areas where uh, the roofs are just in poor shape or uh, roofers come along and put uh, two or three layers on top of the old one. So you've got, you know, two or three, four layers of shingles or something on there. And that's a lot of weight that'll sag down on that roof structure. Uh, so I just find uh, general roof issues, uh, poor installation on it, they just don't do things right, missing fasteners, you name it, they, they, that happens. Uh, so foundation and roof, probably the two biggest. Um, also just general general maintenance things. Uh, a lot of houses are older, so they don't have GFCI protection. Uh, they don't have AFCI protection. 
and they're, they're missing smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detection. So uh, a lot of those older homes are missing those things. So uh, those are probably the yeah. you know few bigger things that I come across on, on a regular basis. Well, Brian, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Uh, they can get a hold of me pretty much everywhere. Uh, so Facebook, you know, Home on the Range Inspections. Uh, they can get a hold of me on uh, social media in general. Um, they can call my cell phone. I get lots of clients who just call directly to my cell phone and I take care of them from there. Uh, or my email, brian at homeontherangeinspections.com. Awesome. Now, before I end an interview, I always like to ask a fun question of my interviewees. So, Brian, if you were stranded on a desert island and all of your human needs were met, what would be the two items you would take on that desert island and why? Uh, well, besides a boat and a compass to get off the island, <laughs> uh, I think I would take... Um, Man, if I had service, I would take a phone so I could have internet. That'd be awesome. I love internet. Uh, if not, then I would take an e-reader with thousands of books on there, and I'd be good to go. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for joining us for the Ask an Expert podcast. This was Brian Gifford with Home on the Range Inspections. Thank you for joining us, Brian. Thank you, Christy. Thank you for having me, and thank you, guys. Thank you guys for joining us. Again, this is Ask an Expert, a sometimes spouse podcast. You guys have an amazing weekend and we'll catch you next week on Ask an Expert with Julio Castillo from Jack Roofing. Thank you.